0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, May the thirteenth, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 13, 1607, English colonists arrived by ship at the site that would become Jamestown, Virginia. Today in 1940, in his first speech as British, British Prime Minister, Winston Churchill told Parliament, quote, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Well, he actually did have more than that to offer, although he probably offered all of that. He had some pretty good ideas. He turned out to be pretty smart, pretty tuned in to what was happening in his years of leadership. Today, in 1958, Vice President Richard Nixon and his wife, Pat, they were in Venezuela. They were spit upon. The limousine that they were riding in was battered with rocks. People were telling him, how much they hated America. I think he got the message. They were in Caracas, Venezuela. Today in 1981, Pope John Paul II was shot, seriously wounded in St. Peter's Square by a Turkish assailant, a Muslim, Mahet. I don't know what his last name is. I can't pronounce it. But anyway, some years later I read that uh, he was put in prison, this guy, of course. I read that some years later, Pope John Paul II went to visit him in his prison cell and told him, I forgive you. I don't know that that story is true, but I read it in a number of places back some years ago. So I I mention it only in passing. I, I think it is true. And if so, that says a lot about the man. I'm not a Catholic, but I'm impressed with that if he did, in fact, do that. And I think he did, but in any case. Today in 1985, a confrontation between Philadelphia authorities and the radical group MOVE, M-O-V-E. That ended as police dropped a bomb into a group's row house, ignited a fire, killed 11 people, destroyed 61 homes. This was connected to the Weather Underground, the friend of Barack Obama, Bill Ayers, started all of that earlier. Today in 2002, President George W. Bush announced that he and Russian President Vladimir Putin would sign a treaty to shrink their country's nuclear arsenals by two-thirds. I'm almost positive that Vladimir Putin got on his jet, went right home and said, let's get rid of all these nukes because I just want to play straight and honest with the United States. I'm smiling. We all know he didn't do that. Five years ago today, the Obama administration issued a directive requiring public schools to permit transgender students to use bathrooms and locker rooms consistent with their chosen gender identity. Most of us remember that if we have kids or grandkids, in school especially, that was a disaster, and it continues today. It keeps rolling. They just won't let this transgender thing go. In fact, Biden is obsessed with it. And I I can't, for the life of me, figure out what he thinks he has to gain by that politically and why he is such an advocate. He advocates more for transgenderism, by far, than he does for Israel, Israel- as you know, the Middle East is on fire. It's continuing there. In fact, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC as she's known, she's criticizing Joe Biden, President Biden. She's supposed to be on his side. But she's criticizing him because he appeared to support Israel. And she said he's citing, in a comment he made, it was very benign, really. He doesn't support Israel other than what he has to. He, Obama, Obama. Clintons, all of them on the left, they don't like Israel. They like Palestine. That's kind of the in thing. So does Hollywood. But Ocasio-Cortez is criticizing Biden this morning because she said he is sided with the occupation, meaning Israel is occupying land that doesn't belong to them. Excuse me, but God gave them that land, and that has been pretty settled for thousands of years, long before she came along, they're not occupying. If anybody's occupying, it's the Palestinians, not Israel. She criticized Biden. She said, she said he is responsible for escalating violence with Hamas. She said he did not give context for what stoked the tensions and was con- uh, consequently he is siding with the occupation. Overnight and this morning in Israel, flags burned, synagogues were attacked in Israel. Rioters in Germany, Israeli flags were burned and synagogues were attacked overnight. A Jewish man was stabbed in Israel during the riots. The man that stabbed him was yelling at the top of his voice, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. We know what that means. Hollywood is slamming Israel this morning. And this is continuing. I don't think, I mean, I I hope and pray that it winds down quickly rather than more lengthy. But boy, this, I don't know where this is going to go. And we don't have a president that's really paying attention to it. He made a passing comment because he had to. I mean, honestly. But I, don't, I we, this could really get out of hand. We'll just have to see. But God is in control. God is always in control. I was reading this morning. My Bible often opens to Isaiah when I open it early in the morning and other times as well. But I read a verse that I've read so many times. You know the verse, I'm sure. But Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. In chapter 30, I remembered this verse. I turned to it to get it so I could quote it accurately from the King James, verse 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. The message from the word of the Lord is that if you're feeling a little overwhelmed by what's going on in our world, don't worry about it because God is going to increase your strength. He's going to, in strength, uh, increase your power. If you're feeling a little faint because of The world is really screwed up. I mean, it's out of control on every front. But God's going to give you more strength because he said he would. This is a message to God's people, whether it's two and a half thousand years ago or whether it's now. And God says through his prophet Isaiah that he's going to guide us. There's going to be a a little word. He's going to speak to our hearts through his word. He's not going to tell us anything that's not in the Bible. That's not God speaking, if you hear that. But God's going to speak to us and guide us through this as we discern through Scripture. And that's why it's so important that we look at what's going on in our world today through the lens of God's Word, because that is the only thing that is not being shaken right now. America is being shaken. We're, We're in a disastrous situation as far as leadership in this country. We have none. We really don't have leadership in this country. I mean, you, it's hard to disagree with the leadership because the leadership isn't leading anything. They're just sort of staying of sight. The border is out of control. President Biden obviously didn't want to take the political risks because he's trying to reverse everything that Trump did. And I, I'm not defending Trump. I'm just saying what he was doing worked. I mean, even the left is kind of admitting that now. But Biden, no, no, he's going to reverse all that because he promised that he would. And he's got to answer to these people on the very far left, like AOC. They're pulling his strings. Bernie Sanders, they're telling him what to do. They are. Either implicitly or directly. Like, this is the agenda, Mr. President. And his goal was to become president. Not to bring benefit and blessing to America. His lifelong goal was to be president of the United States. And he crawled into the office, literally. And I don't say that disrespectfully. I mean, under normal circumstances, who would elect a person that struggles? We all get to that point, but most of us aren't running for or elected as president of the United States when we get there. That's where we are today. But God is in control, and God is going to direct. He's going to help you, and he's going to lead us all through this malaise, as Jimmy Carter called it, malaise in our government. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken. More than a 1,000 gas stations ran out of gas yesterday. Mostly, they say, from panic buying. I mean, people filled up their cars, then they were filling up everything else. But it's a result of that cyber terrorism that shut down the colonial pipeline. It's the biggest fuel pipeline in the United States. It delivers 45% of the fuel consumed on our East Coast. Former financial advisor to President Trump, Larry Kudlow, he says if the pipeline is not functioning by Friday, things are going to unravel Very rapidly, he said that yesterday. Well, fortunately, hours after he said that, Colonial announced late yesterday afternoon that they are up and running, but they're saying this morning that while we are up and running, it's going to take days, perhaps weeks, to recover from this shutdown on the fuel supply, particularly gasoline for cars, airplanes, and so on. But the greater issue, Kudlow says, is that there is clearly a connection between the pipeline, cyberterrorism, and the shooting war on Israel. Biden's presidency is quickly becoming the modern version of Jimmy Carter's presidency. Long lines at the gas pumps. I mean, remember that? Some of you are over 40, and you can remember that. Long lines at the gas pumps being pushed around by America's enemies. Little to no response by the president. Borders non-existent almost, particularly our southern border. It's amazing. It made news around the world last Friday. The colonial pipeline was hit by a cyber attack by hackers. They weren't sure where they were from. I think we know now where they're from, and I'll get back to that in a moment. They generally locked up the computer systems, and they were demanding a ransom to be released. Colonial, uh, the pipeline, the company and others, and particularly people in the Biden administration were saying, well, we're not going to give them, the, the company is not going to give them any any ransom and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, this pipeline runs from the Texas Gulf Coast to New York metropolitan area. So it, everybody in between have really felt the impact of that. Governors have been asking people in the affected states, and there are many of them, They've been asking them to not buy more gas than they need. And one governor, I can't remember which one it was, but he said, don't fill up every five-gallon can you own. Leave a little for someone else. About 7% of Virginia's 3,900 gas stations were out of gas Tuesday. 8.5% of North Carolina's 5,400 stations, they were out. But this TAC has again raised concern about the vulnerability of our nation's critical infrastructure. Our infrastructure is critical, and we all know it. We tried to get, and some of the Republicans were trying to work with the Democrats and try to get an infrastructure bill in to fix the bridges and the freeways, and yes, the power grid, electric, gas, gasoline, and so on. But it suddenly became a bill for billions of dollars, if not trillions of dollars, for babysitting. Honest. Joe Joe Biden, as he shuffled into his office one morning, he said, well, infrastructure doesn't mean bridges and and power grid and all of that. He said, what it means is we need to rebuild our human infrastructure. And that means free school, free college, free babysitting, and on and on and on. I'm not overstating that. That's what's in that bill that he put out there for, what was it, $2.9 trillion or whatever it was. So that's where we are. It's interesting, though, this Colonial Pipeline company was able to solve this so quickly. This morning, just about an hour ago, before we came on the air live with this program, um, it originates live, as you know. Some of you hear it a little bit later in the day, so I don't know what will happen between when I'm speaking now and when you hear it a couple of hours from now. But Bloomberg News Service is saying that um, they are reporting, no one else is reporting this. So I'm just saying I haven't done a lot of research on this. It just happened before we were, were going on the air. But they're reporting that two people familiar with the situation I don't know if they're employees of Colonial Pipeline or what the deal is, but they say that within hours of this cyber attack, which was last Friday, that Colonial Pipeline Corporation paid nearly $5 million in ransom to the hackers and they paid it in untraceable cryptocurrency. Now, if someone was just writing that on the internet, I wouldn't even be saying this on this program. But Bloomberg, they must know more than they're saying, or they wouldn't be putting that out there. I don't like Mike Bloomberg at all. I'll tell you for sure. I don't believe in anything he stands for. But and I don't like what they publish a lot of the time because it's very left-wing biased. But they must. But they're pretty successful. And they must have more information than they're saying or they wouldn't be reporting this. But anyway, they're reporting it. And um, some of the people that read this this morning, within the hour, they have contacted Colonial Pipeline Company. And Colonial Pipeline Company said they have no comment. So that usually means that they don't want to talk about it because they actually probably did what is being said they did. But there's a third person that's familiar with this ransom as well, and they say that the U.S. government, Joe Biden, is aware of this, and um, they're aware that colonial paid dark side, which is believed to be based, it's a, it's a very sinister group of crooks, of outlaws, they're believed to be based in Russia or Eastern Europe, according to our intelligence here in the United States. So anyway, that's what's going on. The White House officials initially did not say whether Colonial paid a ransom or not in their comments at their only press conference on this subject this week. Yesterday, um, President Biden made a few comments, and he turned around, and, they, and the the reporter started asking him questions, he turned around and walked away. And as he was walking away, he said, and again, I'm not kidding you. He said, I'm not supposed to answer these. Boy, I don't know. Anyway, what will come next? A lot of people are saying, myself included, this reminds me of Jimmy Carter's presidency. This week, Town Hall published a cartoon that depicts a trophy for the worst president of all time being taken away from Obama and given to Joe Biden by Jimmy Carter. It's a cartoon, but it says a lot. Alfredo Ortiz is the president and CEO of the Job Creators Network. He wrote an excellent article on the subject. He says that Biden's very first press conference was style over substance. He said he took advantage of softball questions from friendly media, which he always does, and they always do to simply take advantage of basic talking points he concluded Ortiz concluded that Biden's presidency is the modern reincarnation of carter's it truly is beginning to look like that it's remembered as carter's administration of malaise just a fog nobody knew for sure what was going on with jimmy he was a nice guy he taught his sunday school class he was said to be devoutly religious and i don't I wouldn't challenge that at all, but he was far left, much like our Catholic president is now. The difference may be that Biden is actually further left than Carter, but Carter didn't have Bernie Sanders and AOC and Elizabeth Warren, Barack Obama, Harris, Vice President Harris, didn't have all of these people pulling his strings and pushing him further and further left, filling his mouth with the words, their words that they wanted the American people to hear. Ortiz goes through a whole long list of red flags in the economy that economists are deeply worried about. And he also talks quite a bit in this article about out-of-control inflation beginning to start. He concludes with this. He said, while Carter-Biden's similarities are ominous for ordinary Americans and small business owners, Carter's reign ushered in the Reagan Revolution. And he said, an American economic resurgence, if Biden is Carter's modern day successor, we can only hope the next president will be Reagan 2.0. Larry Kudlow was a former financial advisor to President Trump. He told Fox Business this week, just in fact, it was yesterday. He said, we've had a shooting war. We're having a shooting war in the Middle East. We've had a breakdown to the colonial pipeline from Russia's cyber hacking. We've had more evidence that Overly generous unemployment benefits are keeping people at home rather than at work, which it is. He said, we've seen a big stock market sell-off, so let me just step back for a moment and review the bidding of all of this. His conclusion? He said, I'm going to say this. (laughs) He was very forceful with this. He said, I believe the cyber hacking in the U.S. Southeast is absolutely linked to the Hamas shooting war, on Israel. I see it all as all of one piece. And President Biden is being tested. And so far, he has shown no strength. And so far, he continued, I'm not seeing President Biden stand up for Israel. Nor am I hearing him blast Iran. Nor am I hearing him hold Russia accountable. See, there's a pattern here. I'm still quoting him. They are knocking us back and forth And Mr. Biden is just kind of taking the punches. I think everybody sees this, including the people that vocally support the president because he isn't Donald Trump. There's a book out there. It's a national bestseller. Before I even mention the name, I want to tell you I am not recommending it. So don't run out and buy it on my word because I'm not recommending it. But the title of it is The Fourth Turning, it's pretty hot right now. People are buying it like crazy, especially, I don't know, 30 to 50-year-olds that, in that category. But the fact that the book is a bestseller makes a point that I want to leave with you today, and its content further makes the point. I'm not recommending it. But the book is promoted as one that will, quote, change the way you see the world and your place in it. In other words, it'll give you a new world view. It promises to, quote, illuminate the past, explain the present, and reimagine the future. Most remarkably, the promoters say, like Amazon and others, it offers an utterly pervasive prophecy about how America's past will predict its future. Well, there's a thread of truth in that, and that's why this kind of thing is so harmful. History does guide us. If we know the past, it's very helpful in the present and the future. That's why we go through it. We spend a minute, minute and a half every day on this program talking about things that happened on this date in history. It's important. It's interesting, but it's also important to know because history, as they say, you know, if you don't know history, it tends to repeat itself and so on. But knowing history certainly helps to understand the present. And Christians are called to be informed. We've got to be informed. And part of that Being informed is certainly first and foremost about God's Word, but being informed about what's going on in our world and what has happened in the past as it relates to the present and possibly to the future. But this turning, this fourth turning, looks back 500 years to uncover a distant pattern, a very distinct pattern, in human civilization, a pattern that contains, according to the authors, four cycles. These four cycles are, we're told, they last about twenty years each and they always arrive in the same order. And again, there is a pattern in history. I have a speech I used to give when I was when I would travel and speak uh, that incorporated not this but the idea that there is a, a curve of history that's pretty predictable. So they put that into this book, but it's a replacement of for a biblical worldview, basically. They don't say that, but that's what it is. But these four cycles that they're talking about are about 20 years each, and they always arrive in the same order. The first cycle is what they call the high period of competent expansion. The second is an awakening period, a time of spiritual exploration and rebellion against the now-established order, and they're saying that in the context of spirituality. So keep that in mind. The third is the unraveling period, an increasingly troubled era in which individualism triumphs over crumbling institutions. And the fourth cycle of these four cycles, and the last, they say, is crisis, when society passes through a great and perilous gate in history. The essence of the book is saying that we are at this crisis, and I don't know of anyone that wouldn't agree with that, we're at this crisis threshold in history and they are going they are giving us in the book leadership as to how to navigate and i'm saying to you there is a better way there is a better book and we talk about that every day but we're told that the four turnings comprise history's seasonal rhythm of growth maturation entropy and rebirth the book they say offers bold predictions about how all of us can prepare individually and collectively for America's next rendezvous with destiny. In what would be his last letter before his execution, Paul the Apostle wrote to a young pastor, Timothy. He gave him not four turnings, but a clear understanding of what the culture would look like just prior to humanity's rendezvous with God. The return of Jesus Christ, eternal destiny. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, without restraint, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Does any of that sound familiar to you? Of course it does. That's the time in which we live. That is our culture today. I personally believe that we are standing at the threshold of what Paul described as the last days. I think it's time, in fact, I know it's time for us to be acutely aware of the time in which we live. A lot of people out there have made this book, this four turnings, a bestseller because they too have questions and they too are aware of where we are, that it's not a good time globally and particularly in America. But I will tell you, even though men's hearts are failing them for fear, as Jesus said would happen, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world.